Hello and welcome to Profiles in Risk. This is your host, Tony Canyas. And today I have with me Adam Mexico. I, I, Perfect. I, Perfect. Awesome. Perfect. Awesome. Uh, Chief Growth Officer at Leap. Uh, Adam, thank you for, for joining me today. Uh, and and uh, we're recording on January 26th, uh, t- uh, 2022. A month in, I'm still having trouble with that. 2022. Uh, you're in New York City, or at least that's what it says on your LinkedIn. Uh, are, are, is it a, is it three feet of snow? Or is yeah, it uh, I, I happen to escape New York. Uh, I'm down in Florida at the moment. But, um, you're down I'm in Florida? The, in the sixth borough. Um, no? But yes, my... The sixth um, borough, I hadn't heard of that, but it may, <laughs> it makes sense post-COVID especially. Okay, awesome. Awesome, awesome. So so we always give the guests the, the chance to, to give the elevator speech. What what What, what is uh, LEAP? Yeah, so Leap is an insurance, it's really a, it's an insure tech, but it really plays at the kind of crossroads of three areas. So it sits at the crossroad of insure tech, real estate tech, and fintech. And why do I say that? Um, you know, we're insure tech because the vehicle is insurance that we play in, right? And it's technology. Um, it's prop tech or real estate tech because the really the uh, application here is is real estate, right? Typically multifamily housing, single family housing, and and purpose built student housing, and then fintech uh, because we do consumer underwriting. Um, you know, we we are a consumer underwriting shop. We we do underwriting, which is very different than insurance underwriting. It is true credit um, credit you know underwriting. So that's kind of where we play in the fintech space. Okay, so so, I'm <clears throat> I'm, I'm I'm a renter. Uh, I live in Midtown Atlanta, uh, 14-story. You know, a very nice apartment in, in Midtown. Uh, I was a homeowner at some point in my life, but I've been a renter the majority of, of my of my professional life. So, uh, security deposit, right? Any apartment that that I that I go to. So so my and big corporate apartment like this one, you know, 30 stories, of course, security deposit. So in, in my experience, the, the, the security deposit side, uh, the, there was no insurance, right? Uh, I just paid my security deposit. Hopefully I got it back, but the, the landlord had no way to, to, uh, to, to insure that prior to just the last few years. Am, am I correct in that? There have been little pieces of, in, of types of deposit alternatives over the last few years. But I mean, in general, it didn't really hit the mass audiences until the last two years. Um, you know, it's just a better alternative to a hard cash solution. Okay, so so a big corporate landlord like the one that I live for owns multiple business kind kind of thing, uh, well, multiple buildings kind of kind of kind of thing. Uh, so using a solution, using Leap, what what does it allow them to 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 do? So if you think about like security deposits at its core, right, security deposits at their core are traditionally a bad use of hard capital, right? You pay a security deposit, as you just mentioned, you pay a security deposit in the hopes that you're going to get be a good resident and get it back. But let's just say, for, for instance, you're not a good resident and you default on your lease or you damage the apartment. Typically, when security deposits have to be used, Typically, they are used um, either in full or a, a lot of the security deposit is used. In the case of a default, 
in fact, the loss to the landlord is significantly more than the deposit on hand. So, you know, it's just an inefficient use of capital that, that we've kind of seen today. If you think about like multifamily, the real innovation that they've done in the last 20 years, I mean, there's been a few things that they've done. The biggest being digital leasing. Um, the second being uh, digital rent payments, like rent payments online. Um, but there really hasn't been a ton of innovation there, right? Uh, there's been a huge lack of innovation. So I'll go back to your example. Rather than paying the $1,000 security deposit when you move in and it's just sitting there earning very little interest, if not, if none at all, the landlord actually has to administer that deposit, put it in escrow, take the costs associated with that, which is about $60 per door, uh, every, you know, $60 per door, and then return it in whatever the state is mandatory guidelines. You being in Atlanta, landlords actually have to offer uh, an alternative deposit um, in that city. So legislation is changing where states and municipalities are forcing landlords to offer an alternative deposit or take the deposit in increments versus taking it all up front. And that makes housing more affordable. So an example, again, going back to your example, paying a $1,000 deposit, if, if they used or utilized our program at LEAP, rather than paying that $1,000 deposit and literally having no use for that money, just sitting in the bank, um, and hopefully you're a good tenant to get it returned, that you have the capability to pay a monthly installment of an insurance premium, which in this case would be about $10 per month. So they pay $10 per month versus paying the $1,000 up front. Is it, is, is it paid by the landlord or is it paid by, by the uh, resident who didn't have to pay the, the security deposit? Yeah, that, that's a good question. I mean, there's um, there's a few of us out there, right, in our space. Some are B2B focused, some are B2B2C focused. So um, in most cases, uh, most of us in the space, it's a surety product. Therefore, um, it is a three-party contract and it is paid for by the resident on the beneficiary of the landlord. Um, but at the same time, there are other products out there, and we play in this space too, where we allow it to be written as a commercial product, where it's a true B2B product, where the resident is not paying for it directly, the landlord is paying for it, even though it is passed to the resident in some way, shape, or form. Um, or, and we also offer it as a surety bond product as well, um, where it is B2B2C. They're three party and everyone's kind of involved. So the, the insurance nerd in me like got super excited uh, at, at the mention of it being a, a surety bond because that, that is super, super interesting um, because generally surety is, is, is yeah, you're, you're guaranteeing somebody else will, will do something, right? So, so it, it, yes, it, it, it fits, right? You, 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 get, you guys underwrite me. You, I'm guessing you look at my, at my credit, you look at my employment, right? The, the landlord traditionally looks up at, at, at my employment and, and looks at, at, at my uh, history as, as, as a renter. Right. If I've been evicted, things, things like that. But but beyond that, they I'm guessing they don't underwrite much beyond that. Right. Uh, that's, that's correct. Um, look, I think surety is what the reason why it sits in surety bond. And most of the folks in our arena play in that space is because 20 years ago, um, when my founder it really kind of wrote the first policy that existed in this space, um, they didn't know where to put it. The insurance departments didn't know where to put it. And, you know, they put it in this surety 
category, which it is, right? It, it makes sense. It fits the criteria. And, um, you know, it's your benefit. It's one party's actions or, you know, can control the guarantee of something else. And in this case, it's tenant default, right? Default under the lease agreement, um, whether that's damage or, you know, skips or not paying the rent, et cetera. But that's kind of where it falls. Um, there's been some innovation on the commercial side, but as we've kind of continued to see this product and space evolve, you know, different landlords want different things, right? They want ease of use. They want the ability to, you know, not it be an operational burden. So there are different ways to implement these type of programs. And depending on how the state and legislation changes those laws on the real estate and rent reform side, will kind of determine how these products evolve in the future. It makes perfect sense. So I, I was seeing on, on, on the website that, so not only you've got the deposit insurance, uh, but there's also a rent guarantee. Ba basically, the, a, a commercially landlord, a commercially co-signing. Uh, so so how, does, how does that side of the problem? So that, that's definitely to a consumer. How, how does that work? Yeah, so if you think about it, like everybody pays a security deposit, even if it's mm -hmm. low, even if it's low, right? So yeah. deposit alternatives, the addressable market is much bigger, right? Because it affects everyone, whether you're approved or conditionally approved, et cetera, when you move into the apartment. Um, but the rent guarantee product, um, which is kind of where we started, which is true consumer underwriting, um, that product is typically, a, it's, this, it's a very similar product but it's of higher value, um, right? Because these are higher risk applicants. And let's just talk a little bit about kind of the atmosphere and like the renter pool that's out there. So this product, you know, started off like in most cities, high barrier entry cities, New York City, right? Where the rental criteria is very, very high. Um, you have to make 40 times the rent, for example, in New York City, which is pretty hard to do. And not only that, your guarantor, if you don't make 40 times the rent, has to make 80 times the rent, which you know most people in America don't make that type of money. Um, that's just not what, what how it exists. That's why it's a high barrier entry market. So those people get declined. And then we realized on a national standpoint, the a large percentage of the next generation of renter is subprime. You know, 40% of the American population age 18 to 34 has a FICO score less than 600. Therefore, their credit would not yield them to live truly where they want to live. So we developed a rent guarantee product, which is totally flexible. Um, the landlord can choose an amount of coverage that's equal to four months of rent all the way up to, you know, 12 months rent, full lease value, and we will underwrite the resident and they will pay a premium. And if they, if we, if they meet our underwriting criteria, which again, we're pretty stringent on that, um, we want to put people that can pay the rent but need a little extra credit enhancement. We underwrite them, they pay the premium and they can live really where they want to live. And I can't tell you how many endless calls we've gotten, and you can look at our reviews on, uh, online, we help people move into a place every single day to a place that they could, that was not attainable uh, without this type of product. And it's a win-win scenario, right? 
the person gets into the place that they truly want to live in a home, which is one of the neat, basic needs of human beings. And the landlord has literally an insurance policy that is invest, you know, investment grade or you know, A and best A, A minus rated, that they can actually go and feel comfortable that they if it goes bad, I've got coverage here. That's fantastic. I love that that win-win-win and how consumer friendly, how, how yeah, how consumer how consumer friendly that that, that is. Um, so it, what 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 kind what what uh, what kind of losses the, the so 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 for for, for example uh, does it cover job loss for for example which is in my it's my guess the main reason that that people become unable to 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 pay their lease yeah yeah so we cover really any default on the lease um, we do not have like you know in a in an example that we just dealt with right we we went from zero like record low unemployment to record high unemployment in one month in the pandemic. Um, we do not, you know, we made it clear that, you know, job loss is a core functionality of not being able to pay the rent. Therefore, you know, we made it clear that our products will not have a pandemic exclusion, just will not, have, it doesn't work for this product. Um, and we cover job loss. We, it's idiosyncratic risk, right? Things happen. Um, people lose their job. Parents get sick. People have mental health issues and they and they move. Um, you know, it happens. People tra- we work heavily in student housing. People transfer to a new school. It happens all the time. Um, we manage that. You know, we understand the risk associated with it. We price for it, and we run a, a fairly good loss uh, loss business. You know, insurance line. And I think if it's done correctly and priced correctly. And especially on the rent guarantee side, if it's underwritten correctly, uh, which we kind of pride ourselves to do, um, we, you can build a very uh, sustainable and valuable insurance business for both the landlord and for the consumer. Okay. So, so, okay. So, so they, you do get the, the product up front, you're paying the premium, uh, you have an unexpected job loss. Uh, the landlord is covered for the number of, of months. So, so if 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 the coverage, uh, let's say, right, I got twelve month coverage. I got coverage for my whole lease, kind of thing. And three months in, I, I lose my job. Uh, the landlord's protected. I understand that part. But basically, like, like the policy will keep me in my home for un, until that <coughs> end of that twelve month. The policy will keep you in your home until the until the landlord takes possession, right? The landlord's not just going to let someone live there um, without paying rent, right? That's just how it works. Yeah. Typically, if you lose your job, they'll either cut a deal with the landlord or, you know, they won't. And they'll, you know, shut down everything and get evicted. Um, sometimes they will. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes they'll have a balance. They'll file a claim. And maybe they'll move out. And then, you know, when they get possession, we still have, we still have a balance. I wouldn't say it so much keeps people in their home more than it covers the landlord, right? It gets people into their home. Um, yeah. But in the case of a default, you know, landlords are not, you know, landlords are in the business to collect rent, right? That's their business. So, you know, most landlords, if you don't pay the rent, you get evicted. 
Um, that's typically what happens. Or, you know, you know you can't pay the rent, so you skip. Um, and in that case, we will cover the rent in, in that case. And, okay, so, so, so uh, and it's, it's not eviction protection in case of job loss. It it's, helps you get, get in, uh, where, which, you know, you wouldn't have been able to otherwise in a high cost of living city. Uh, and it, it helps you, uh, and, and, and the way it helps you get in is because the landlord's protected in, in case you, you, you fail on your lease. Correct. Cause you weren't, you couldn't like typically with rent guarantee, you couldn't pass or you couldn't qualify. We give you the credit I, I, enhancement, but you know, as far as the, as far as if you, if you default, you default, like you still maintain all of the obligations of the lease agreement. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I was having a hard time understanding how it's underwritten. Uh, like the, if it's so hard to, 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 uh, to avoid the, the, uh, the, 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 the moral hazard of, okay. I, okay. I got the insurance for the whole lease. If I'm, I'm okay with getting fired tomorrow. Right. So, so, yeah, so, uh, the, so the moral hazard on the resident is pretty, I mean, it remains the same, right? Whether if they get evicted, um, there's a lot of moral hazard. And if, you know, because they can't rent again, and if they um, damage the property, they're still responsible for those damages. Even if we pay, they're still responsible. So we, we do have the rights to, you know, subrogate, subrogate just, as yeah. land, just as if a landlord does. Um, so there is the moral hazard doesn't exist there. There is moral hazard on the landlord side, as you can imagine, right? You know, someone skips rent and you got a full lease, you got full lease coverage, and they're like, well, I don't have to rush in doing this, right? I'm getting paid. Um, there's moral hazard there, but our, our policy pretty much uh, limits that pretty pretty significantly to make sure the landlord treats it like every other unit, turns it and relets that unit just like they would every okay. other unit. Okay. How, how are the two products distributed? Yeah, it's a good question. So our products are distributed today uh, through a direct sales team, right? Um, in mostly a B2B to C uh, solution. So that means we, our clients are the landlords ultimately, right? So our mission of the company is to improve the financial performance of landlords, all while making the renting process more affordable and attainable for residents. Um, so we follow those guidelines, right? We, we essentially go and sell to landlords, institutional landlords, small landlords, big landlords, et cetera. They allow their residents to opt into this program, right? They come in, they get screened. If they get declined, they can refer them to us and we'll underwrite them. If they want to replace their deposit, um, they have the choice to use a deposit alternative or pay the deposit. And then they essentially, we integrate through property management software and things like that. And we essentially get all that data, underwrite it and bind, um, you know, in order to use those products. So it's really kind of distributed through the, it's distributed through the landlord's applications, but it comes to us in some way, shape or form. Okay. So it, it's not sold by agents. Uh, today, by today it's not Today, it is not sold by agents, although I, I will tell you, we, um, we have new products coming out that will be sold by agents. Oh, okay. Awesome. Awesome. F fantastic. Uh, I, I love how it is uh, insurance applied to, to solve a real problem. Uh, 
and uh, you were telling me you just first started recording how seamless that technology is, how, how it's you know a tech first product, uh, not the messy application process, et cetera, of traditional insurance. Yeah, I mean, all of our underwriting, you know, I focus on three things, right? Automation, innovation, um, and scalability. Um, automation, especially in consumer underwriting, uh, especially with open banking and other verification methods, um, there are easy ways to verify identity, uh, verify income, and verify credit, right? All of that's done immediately. We have a score on that person almost immediately before an underwriter even looks at anything. Um, so we know who's approved and who's not approved. Um, you know, I would say we try to keep our touch points as low as possible, right? Um, and I think we've done that through a series of automation. Uh, I would say we use, you know, many different uh, fields or attributes to do underwriting today, but we try to use technology to drive that, whether that's you know, integrations with uh, Plaid and open banking software, uh, verifications of identity, um, uh, pulling data from property management software, things like that to kind of fully automate the process. Um, and that's what we focus on. Uh, so, you know, unlike a traditional, I mean, these are pretty big credit risks. Like in some cases, <clears throat> you know, a New York $5,000 apartment you know, with 10 months of coverage, you know, it's $50,000 of risk, right? So there, you know, it's not small, tiny risk. You know, some of these are big risk, uh, big risk, uh, big risk kind of opportunities, but we try to use technology to really drive that. Um, I will say also, we play very heavily in the student housing space. And if you think about kind of what I've been saying, students by, by nature have no credit, have no income. So they, they don't qualify to, to live in these apartments. And students, students are living in very high-end, luxury, purpose-built student housing. Um, I've got an apartment probably right down the street from you in Midtown um, that is a purpose-built student housing, uh, a purpose-built student housing uh, complex, you know, very expensive, expensive rent. And, um, you know, that's an example. That product didn't exist 10 years ago when we were in, when we were in school or when I was in school. And, you know, we look at it two ways. One, the student doesn't qualify. So they rely on the parent to, to guarantee their lease or act as a guarantor. And a lot of students don't have that, right? A lot of students, these are first-generation students, college students. They don't have a parent that can co-sign their lease or they may be an international student um, where they don't have anyone to co-sign their lease. So we do this across, um, you know, about 700,000 uh, uh, beds, student housing beds or bedrooms across every major university in the country. That's fantastic. Uh, uh, I, I was a foreign student originally from Costa Rica. So, so I, I uh, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I've been there uh, de definitely. And I was very lucky. I, 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 uh, lived uh, dorms and fraternity my, my whole time in college. And then at graduation, uh, I, I worked in Des Moines, Iowa, so incredibly cheap rent. So, so my entry-level salary had no trouble qualifying me for a $525 a month apartment. Uh, but uh, friends in Chicago, friends in New York, right? friends that, that, that uh, ended up in big cities, uh, say, so yeah, they didn't have co-signers. Uh, and it's hard, right? I mean, the international students, 
you know, in New York, it's very hard. You know, it's kind of become a standard practice. Same thing for student housing. I think we're becoming, you know, uh, relieving that barrier to entry. There are so many students today that, um, you know, are first generation college students, you know, that are going, you know, maybe on scholarship or financial aid. And even though they may want to live off campus in these nice apartment buildings with their friends, they know they can't qualify. So they end up living in the dorm because that's what that's really the only option. And I think that's something that we provide right now. It's not not the only option. They have the ability to live really where they want. And that's really what we focus on um, because we're a big believer in kind of making housing uh, attainable for all if we can. Perfect, perfect. Um, last question, just because you have it listed on your link on your LinkedIn profile as we record that you're hiring multiple roles. Uh, are you hiring uh, insurance people? Are you hiring salespeople? Are you hiring engineers? What 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 is it that you guys are really hiring right now? Yeah, I mean, I say all of the above, right? We're growing, we're fast growing, prop tech, insure tech company, right? So we're we're always looking for great talent to to come on board. Um, I'd say we're in hiring from all different kind of forms of that arena. Uh, we're hiring engineers to, again, innovate, uh, innovate, integrate, and scale. I think we are hiring insurance uh, folks, whether that be claims origination, product origination, um, things like that. Uh, we're hiring salespeople to, you know, grow our distribution, uh, both, you know, across multiple different verticals. And, um, you know, I think we'll continue to do that as we scale. I mean, if you look at this product penetration, it, it, is, fairly, it is fairly low. I would say that the product penetration of, our, of this product set is probably about 15 or 20% of the TAM. So there's still 80% left um, for the folks that are going after that, that type of product. Okay, so it's exciting. Just a, a couple of days ago, uh, I was uh, a friend uh, who went to an InsurTech from a traditional carrier posted on on Twitter and then LinkedIn, and it kind of went viral, uh, his uh, thoughts on having gone to an InsurTech. Uh, and the number one, the, the first thing he says is uh, look for, for a space that has tailwinds uh, for the next three to five years. And and as you're saying, penetration is only 15, 20% in the market. That That's what I'm, what I'm hearing is, is, yeah, there's a ton of growth potential uh, for, 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 for this product. So, so very cool. Very, 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 very cool. Uh, Adam, thank you for joining me today. It, it's been very interesting. I, uh, I knew nothing about deposit insurance or, and, uh, uh, rent guarantee insurance. So very, very interesting to, to learn. Thank you. Thank you very much. No, thank you for having me and, um, you know, look forward to, you know, maybe joining again when we launch a new product. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, definitely. Uh, once you've launched a, a, the, the agent uh, distributed product, absolutely would love to have you back. Thank you. Cool. Thank you so much.